just uh, lift up all these different uh, requests, Father, to you. You know them already. And so, Lord, we just um, come to you, Lord, and ask you for favor for John and all that he's doing with his building. And and um, we just uh, we just pray, Father, for that to go well. That him, we're just thankful that he's found people to do the work and and uh, given you a great discount and. And so, Lord, we just uh, we just trust you, Father, for all the needs that uh, He'll need for that. And we uh, we lift up Selma, Father, for for salvation, and also Father for as they move her and get the TB test and all of that, that that would work well, and that uh, they'd be able to not have any issues with getting her moved, and that also the new place would be. Um, helpful father for 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 uh, the family norge and and also john and uh, and also specifically selma father we just uh, pray for your watch care over her and and uh and your um that she might change her mind and and realize that you're in charge and and father that uh we just uh, we just thank you for pray that that you would provide uh salvation for her. Father, we also lift up John's uh, dermatology issues and the spots and all of that. Father, we just pray that you give them wisdom and knowing what to do. And so, Lord, we just uh, we just thank you for, for all that you do, and we just um, appreciate uh, your watch care over John and his family. And Father, we do lift up all those going to the, the Jennifer's funeral. Father, again, that's one of those things we don't know why it happens, but we just um, know that you have the big picture and you know why, and we don't. And so, Lord, we just uh, have to trust you, and we do trust you, Lord. We just thank you, Father, for your presence in, in all of this, and and uh, we just uh, pray for travel mercies for all those attending that uh, service. Father, we lift up um, uh, Will as he teaches uh, in place of Mr. Hewlin, Father of the Young Marys. And, and so, Lord, uh, we just uh, pray that you give him wisdom and and uh, that he might be able to help those that are uh, needing help, Father, in that class and uh, and help them to avoid issues that may come up in the future. And so, Lord, we just pray that You'd use him in a mighty way. Father, we lift up our missionaries. I just got a report from um, Mrs. Day about um, um, Nathan, and he's doing well over there. And and uh, we just uh, pray for your watch care over him. Father, we know he's in a war zone, and we just uh, pray, Father, for your watch care over him while uh, he is gone serving, Father in your ministries. And Father, we also lift up our other missionaries too. And we just pray, Father, for wisdom and guidance, Father, for all of our missionaries that they'd be able to know God and to know uh, his direction for them each day and that uh, others might see Christ in them and, and come to know you, Lord. And the Lord, we do lift up our country to you. Again, Lord, we just... Uh, trust you, Father, for all of these things, and we just uh, um, love you, and we need you, and we just praise you, Father, for all that you do. We just uh, pray that you'd 
uh, help me with the Sunday school lesson this morning and provide, Father, the lessons that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Bit of your time, but if you only get half through, and you do the other half next time, you teach. What's that? <laughs> you can split this up if you have to. Oh, we got to be a little bit shorter time. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. This, um, how many people know the most valuable diamond in the world? Anybody know which one that might be? What? No? Anybody else got a question, an idea of that? Well, I've been doing Bible study fellowship and we're in Romans. So I'm gonna we're gonna talk about Romans today, and I happen to notice that Adrian Rogers had a sermon on on uh, Romans, and this particular one I thought was really amazing. And he tells the story. He went to England one time, went to London, and like some of you, he says, I went to the Tower of London. How many have been to the Tower of London? <laughs> Not I. Okay. So you might want to go next time you go there. Um, anyway, he wanted to see the crown jewels. We'll find out in a minute why. There was one jewel that was specifically he wanted to see. And uh, he asked his guide about it. The guide said, sure, it's in the Tower of London here. Come on up. And so they went to the, the tower to look at. He wanted to see the Konanur diamond. Konanur diamond. Why would he want to see that? So when it was found, it was 186 carats. It's the largest diamond that they found. Uh, and as a matter of fact, they said that the value of the Kohenor diamond was worth one half of the daily expenses of the whole world. Whoa. So the diamond was passed about, and finally it ended up in India. And under Punjab, Prince, who was 10 years old, and he gave the diamond to Queen Victoria. They were under the, the um, what do they call that? Yeah. They owned India, or they ran India. Like a colony. Colony, there you go. Thank you. And um, so he gave the diamond, Was he, as a boy, 10-year-old boy, he gave that diamond to Queen Victoria. Later on, he grew up to be a man. And he went to the Tower of London, where the jewels were kept, and he asked to see the Koninor diamond. And they, they, he said, would you place it in my hand? I don't know what happened to the diamond in India. He went to, he went to <clears throat> England and went to the tower. That was the second. No, we're gonna we'll, we'll cover it. Trust me. <laughs> so, um, so now he's a man, and he went to see what it was worth, and so he asked him to put it in his hand, and uh, they could do nothing else. They know, you know, what to do. They're kind of afraid that you know, he owned it one time. But then he gave it to the queen and he turned to the queen and he said, when I was a lad, I gave you this diamond. I didn't know what it was worth. Now a man, I fully realize what it's worth. And I want to give it to you, my queen, one more time. 
So Adrian Rogers said, oh, I've been waiting for this story for a long time because many of us gave our hearts to Jesus, but when we grew in grace and we saw what Jesus did, we think of all the miracles and the mercies of God. I think I want to say, Lord Jesus, I gave you my life as a child. I meant it. But now, my Lord, realizing about you and the more, more about me, I give you my life afresh. That's what I want to do. So in these, in these desperate days, we need to present our bodies the living sacrifice. And then we'll prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. So this is a, the Conanor diamond. And off to the right there is Queen Victoria. And um, this is the diamond right here in the middle of that crown. And these are some of the later people. And there's Queen Elizabeth with the Conanor diamond. Oops. I'm going to push that button. There it is, right there. Isn't that elegant? Looks really nice. So as Christians, we're growing toward um, finding a place of service. This is what this discussion is about, is where to find your service. And uh, so we're growing our, in, through the sanctification process. And God has given every one of us a ministry. And um, Romans 12.2. <laughs> And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, um, be ye transformed. Transformed is an, another word for that is metamorphosis. What do you think of when you think of metamorphosis? Think of a butterfly, right? How a worm goes into this process and then he does a chrysalis and he ends up being a butterfly. And that, that's the same metamorphosized, metamorphosis is the process. And that's the same word used when Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. And... Um, so, it's time, it's time that we discover our ministry and churches as individuals, how we fit in, and we need revival. And the Ashbury revival kind of thing is kind of what everybody needs. And um, the moral standards are being toppled as time goes on, as we know. We've been glamorized. Uh, we glamorized adultery. 
uh, liquorized society and humanized God. And so um, people are asking, is the Bible true? Um, is there any hope in Jesus Christ? And we're living in the last days. And uh, we're in a race against sin, Satan, and self. And we need to find out what ministry our Lord has for us. Today's ministry will share uh, four principles for discovering your ministry and uh, that you could use for your neighborhood, your business, your family, and so forth. And those four principles are lordship, membership, stewardship, and fellowship. And your, your reasonable service, which we find in, in this, let me move back. I think it was in verse 1. Yeah. It means, means your, your logical gift. It means your logical ministry. And um, and it says, I urge you, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God. And um, when we were rebels, sin cursed on our way to hell, God's mercy sought us, saved us, and secured us. He came to save us, died to save us, rose to save us, he lives to save us, and soon he'll be coming to taking us back home. And all of us, all of this is the mercy of God. And we were bought with a price. We need to remember that. And um, so he's wanting to say we should, we should present our, the, the requirement is we present our bodies. You present yourself. And he will not make you take it. There's no draftees in the Lord's army. Only volunteers. And we're to present ourselves a living sacrifice. The sacrifice in Bible times was an animal that was slain, put on the altar. And many Christians don't have a ministry and don't know the will and power of God because they're not willing to die themselves. They're not willing to be a living sacrifice. The altar is a place to die on. And when we die, we have no other rights of ourselves. And and then worship is putting yourself on the altar and letting God consume you until there's none of you left, all of him. I remember that song, I Surrender All. And every time I sing it, I have to think of myself, if I surrendered all, is there some little corner, some little thing that I haven't surrendered to God? If you want to, uh, to know God's life for your ministry, his logical ministry and reasonable service, it can be summed up in one word, lordship. And the result is, is you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The second thing is the result. It will be information and revelation. There will be a change in you. The word transformed in, in 12.2 is a word from which we get our English word metamorphosis. It's a, it's a change of form 
And I don't know about you, but when I realized that when I turned my life over to God, I turned 180 degrees. I had a purpose. I had a, I had a reason. And, uh, and it was different than the world's reason for me. <laughs> so um, that's, that's uh, the also, it also is the, the, in metamorphosis, the nature comes to the surface. Uh, Adrian Rogers points out that um, when Jesus was transfigured in the Mount of Transfiguration, he had a radiance about him. And um, the inner nature of Jesus was deity. That's what happened. And uh, the inner nature, what's the inner, nat inner nature of a Christian? Jesus, right? So the devil tries to conform us so we won't be transformed, so that our inner nature won't come to the surface. When we present ourselves a living sacrifice and are transformed, the inner nature, which is Jesus, comes to the service, surface. And we see people, one of the things we did over Christmas, um, I gave my wife two $50 bills and I took two $50 bills. The idea was, is how do we show people that, how do we show people Jesus? And we said, well, if there's somebody's buying groceries and they can't afford them or they're having trouble paying or whatever, we can jump in and give them $50 and that'll help. So each of us had two chances to give $50. And sometimes you have to be in the right place at the right time. Valerie seems to be in the right place at the right time more than I am. <laughs> and so hers went right away. And uh, eventually I gave one to her and then I, I was able to give another one out. But that's the kind of thing I, I was at. Uh, I didn't tell you this, but I was at a um, the haircut place, and the guy was getting his two sons haircuts. And between them and and him and you know the people that were there that were getting haircuts with him, or in his family, it was over fifty dollars. And so he had to go out and get money to come back. And I thought, well, man, if I had the fifty dollars, I could have just gave him the fifty dollars. You know, and so uh, I don't have it with me anymore. So um, so when we, when we are uh, ourselves, uh, when we present ourselves a living sacrifice to be transformed, received a, we receive the mind of Christ. I used to thought that was heresy. I thought about that, to be, have the mind of Christ. But... Um, uh, who, who can look up 1 Corinthians 2.16? Look that up while we're going here. So the first principle is um, was lordship. And the second principle is membership. What, what better place is there to test out your, your gift if you think you have a certain gift, well, what better place is there to test it out than in the, the local church? Do you have it, uh, Glenn? And that's 1 Corinthians? Uh-huh. 2, 2, uh-huh. For who hath known the mind of, Christ, of the Lord, that he may instruct him? 
But we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ, yeah. So that was a, that was a point. And um, the church is an organ is not an organization with Christ as president. It's an it's an organ it's an it's actually an organism where Jesus is the head. And um, and so what better place is there to practice our spiritual gift than in a church? Because you may think you have one gift and then after you practice it a while, you might realize you have another gift. Another way is to tell what gift you have is have others tell you. Well, I see you have this gift. Um, but we need each other. We need, we need each other as Christians and and if we say we don't need Christians, it's sheer pride and arrogance is what he says. And um, we all don't have the same office. We all have different gifts. And we'll not find our, in, our, our ministry outside of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. God may use us as an organization in an organism. He says, the Lord is the head. Then the, then the, the next principle is uh, stewardship. And there's seven, Christ, uh, seven basic Christian gifts are mentioned in, this, in the passage. And um, the, the, it's an insult to God to say or to think he can't use you. God crafted you, he formed you, he saved you, and he gave you a spiritual gift. And, and you're a steward of that gift. You have to use that gift. And there are seven areas of stewardship. One is prophecy, the first one. And prophecy is the ability to speak for God. I think of prophecy, I think of Laura, my daughter. Um, I, I always appreciated her. And when she got married, <laughs> I said, oh, I'm losing a valuable person because not only for obvious reasons, but she was the one in the family that when the kids went out to get dresses or whatever, they came back and, and I said, hmm, that dress looks a little short or, you know, real revealing or something. And, and I think we, ought to, think we ought to pass on that one. And, oh, dad, you know, the other girls would say, and, and Laura would say, dad's right. That is too revealing. You know, that's not the kind of guy you want to attract. And so then... So I had someone, I had another person on my side. <laughs> it was great to have. So, so, um, so that's a neat gift, and it can be used in preaching and mission work and vacation Bible school and other kinds of things. And uh, then there's the gift of ministry or the gift of service. And, um, you know, it's great if you can have, if you could practice all of the gifts uh, but one of them should stand out to you. One of them uh, should um, jump out at you. And, and the word ministry means service, and it means to be a servant. And with this gift, you could work, for example, as a church secretary <laughs> or whatever. So uh, anybody that has the gift of service, there's so many different ways you could use that. Then there's the gift of teaching. It uh, can be used in teaching Sunday school. I don't have that gift, by the way, <laughs> but I, I, I teach. I mean, I'm, I'm available. And, um, 
And you can use it in neighborhood Bible studies and organizations, a lot of different areas you could use that uh, teaching in. And then there's a the gift of exhortation and I encourage people in the Lord and can be used in the music ministry, visitation, soul winning, counseling, hospital ministry. Uh, then there's the gift of giving. And uh, all of us have an obligation to give just as we have the obligation to exhort people. But some of us uh, have the ability to make money and see the needs of others to give above and beyond or give to somebody who needs it if they're buying groceries and don't have enough, you know. So then there's a the gift of ruling or leadership. Uh, it could be used with the church staff or committees or coaching. Then there's the gift of mercy. Uh, this gift is used in hospital visitation, benevolence, counseling, and so forth. So um, the idea is, is find out what your gift is. Put everything on the altar and think with your mind, the mind of Christ. And um, let love be without dissimulation, it says, meaning without hypocrisy. If you serve the Lord, put these four, four principles together and ask the Lord to help you find what your gift is. They do have uh, online, if you look for, there's different places where they have a question and answer thing that you can go through and it gives you, it gives you ideas of what gift you might have. If you love to do this, but you don't like to do this, you know, the thing you love is the thing that God's maybe given you, but then it gives you all the different ones. But if you don't like to do this, 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 and this, it's probably not this gift, you know, so it, it does help you. Um, but we've all been called to ministry and th th there's something God wants you to do. And the problem with many Christians is they are in a rut and have, have taken things for granted and they have, um, we, we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus and we understand more about all that Jesus did for us. When we do, we want to give our lives to Jesus anew and afresh. And we need uh, to present ourselves a living sacrifice and then we'll prove what is good and perfect, acceptable gift. But, let's see. We're early. I just, in closing, I just wanted to say this. Is I'm going to read what, what uh, Adrian Rogers said in the last part of it. Many of us have given our hearts to Jesus, but when we grow in the grace and knowledge of, of him and see what Jesus did, we think of the mercies of God. I think some of us will say, want to say, Lord Jesus, I gave you my life as a child. I meant it. But now, Lord, realizing more about you and more about me, Lord, I give my life to you anew and afresh. And that's my lesson for the day. But I wanted to say this too. It's when we, when we see things like um, Jennifer, you know, she's 39. And she's so young, passed away, and she's two months from getting married again. And, and I, my under, for, for the first time, 
And her mom actually was on a plane going to help her pick out her dress. When this happened, her son came, met her at the plane and told her what was going on. So we wonder, well, God, what's God's idea here? What was his plan for Jennifer? And we just don't know. It reminds me of this, this um, the, the power of God and the, the fact that he knows more than we know and we can't see the things that he can see. It reminds me of uh, Habakkuk in his ministry. He, he came to, I mean, he was, he was in Judah. I love the people of Judah. God sent him there, but really for a different reason. It's because he wanted to show Habakkuk who he really was. And Habakkuk saw when Josiah, who was Josiah? King Josiah. I know you know this, so I'm asking. He was a, really a good king. He was eight years old when he was <clears throat> king, made king, and he, uh, he was raised by the priests, priestesses. And his grandmother, Athaliah, was ruling and mm -hmm. technically was not supposed to be, but she took over. And then when he became king, I think it was the priest that told him to, sl to slay her. But just that whole time that she had been, he had been raised by the priest. And then, as so many do, when their mentor passes away, they slack off. And he did that. Yeah, I mean, he still was a, a very righteous king, but still. And he, and he, he ended up off. getting killed in a battle that he wasn't supposed to be at anyway. Right. But, but he was a really good king. And Habakkuk came in to be in charge right at that time when Josiah was deposed, basically was killed. And he saw all the good that he had done. And all of a sudden, the next his son takes over. And he's horrible. All the, the Asherah poles came back and the, the, all the, the high places were reinstated and people started sacrificing their children and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff happened. And he cries out to God and he says, God, why do you allow this? You're the righteous God. You don't you hate evil. You know, why are you allowing this to happen? And, and there's no consequences. And God says to, to Habakkuk, he says, you wait. He says, you would not believe what's going to happen. And he was referring to the exile, when the, Babylon. He said, Babylon's coming to punish them. What, he says? They're worse than, than the people right here in Judah. And so he... And he ended up deciding that God is holy, God is righteous, God is just, and he, has, he knows more than what we know. And so we have to trust him. He's the only, you know, he is, he is God. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. And so um, 
it reminded me of of him because of you know the thing of Jennifer, for example. We don't know why. I, I always remember this story and relating back to the Vietnam War, where a guy, a helicopter pilot, was picking up all the the people that were dying, <clears throat> and his jo job is get them to the field hospital, which is over yonder. And so they loaded them all the people up, and he started going. And he gets a call from the flight controller. It says, turn left, such and such a degrees. He said, well, that's not the fastest way to this field hospital. These people are dying. But he did. He turned left. And then a little later, he turned right. He got to the field hospital. What he didn't know was there was a plane way up high. And they saw this Viet Cong group that were putting together an area where they were shooting anything that went over. And it would have shot down that helicopter. But they saw it. It reminds me of God. He's, he's up there. He sees everything. And he knows everything. And our thoughts are not his thoughts. And so it's, it's really great to know that, um, that somebody is in charge. You know, we see how things are going right now. We just don't like the way the political uh, environment is and all this. But we know who's in charge. And we can pray and ask God to take, take care of us. And he will. And so we can trust him to do that. Anyway, back to Jennifer for a minute. Um, so when we look at things and we see God allowing certain things to happen, we have to, we have to think about who is our God? And do we trust him? He is holy. He is perfect. And we, we have no alternative anyway to trust him. But we need to just say, God, we know that you're in charge. We just thank you, Father, for Jennifer and for her life and for, you know, getting to know her. And uh, so, Lord, we just leave that, the reasons up to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do trust you. Father, we just know that, uh, that you're in charge and that, that you will, uh, that you are working together for everything, uh, for good, for those that love you and call to your purpose. And Father, we just uh, ask for your blessing, Father, on these here, these ones here. And we just pray for all those that are going to be at the funeral that knew Jennifer and their families. And we just um, pray that you'd uh, allow, Father, this to be really a blessing. Um, and we just give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we also pray, Father, for our service today. We just pray for the, our um, pastor, who's ever, I'm not sure who's preaching today, but we just uh, pray that you'd be with them and help them, Father, through this time and, and uh, allow them to teach us what we need to hear, preach, preach to us what we need to hear. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.